this, oh, this rock looks like a face. Yeah, I feel like, ah! Oh. <laughs> Josephine! podcast all about anthropology and archaeology. Today we're going way far back in time to human prehistory to talk about the discovery, history, and life story of one of our ancestors from back before humans were humans. It's the Tong Child. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay, let me tell you a story. Get comfy. All right. Okay, so Uh, um, the time is 1924. And, Wait, uh, that's not that long ago. It's not. We're d- we got to e- warm up the time machine first. Um, so the time is 1924, and we are in Tong, South Africa. And workmen are digging a quarry for the Northern Lime Company. Um, that is lime as in limestone, not the delicious citrus fruit. And the workmen discover the skull of a three-year-old child. Except it wasn't a human child. Ooh. Uh, no, actually, the skull belonged to the species Australopithecus africanus, and it was the first specimen from this species ever found. So do you know anything about Australopiths? They are... They're little. They, they were, yep. Africa. They did. They were bipedal. Yes, they were. They walked on two legs. And... I mean, the rest is my job. It's okay. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. Because it was a long time ago. And I really, like, blacked out at the point where we started looking at cavities and teeth. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Okay. So, uh, I just wanted to see how much you knew so I could tell you the story. Um, So... Not much. So, we're going to kind of set the intellectual scene. So, um, in... Remember, this is 1924 when the workmen are digging the quarry. So... Darwin's On the Origin of Species had been published in 1859. So by the 1870s, evolutionary theory was pretty widely accepted by the scientific community, um, and we're talking about the Western world here. So pretty much Europe and North America. So we understood that humans had evolved from primate ancestors, but there was a super limited number of known specimens from any early members of our human lineage. Um, We just didn't have the fossils. So anthropologists interested in human evolution went searching for these missing links, individuals somewhere between apes and modern humans. And it took a little bit of time for its importance to come to light, but the Tong child was eventually seen as one of those missing links. So uh, back to South Africa, quarry workers had found a number of fossilized skulls in the Tong area. It was this rich area uh, where a lot of remains were preserved, and uh, it was mostly fossil baboons, and one of these skulls was used as a decor piece. Um, There are different accounts that I read, but either it was on the mantelpiece or used as a paperweight on the desk of the quarry director. Um, So this was... This was a fossil? This was a fossil, not... It was, no, it was not a piece of bone. It was bone that had been turned to mineral because of minerals uh, running through the soil through the groundwater and gradually replacing the bone with stone, essentially. 
Um, so this was a, a fossil baboon, and um, it would have stayed on a desk or a mantelpiece, wherever it was, just sort of obscurely acting as as casual decor. But it was noticed by a lady. Hey, a lady. I'm sure scholar. tons of people noticed it. Well, or like, what is that weird skull doing? But it was like noticed for real for what it could be by Miss Josephine Salmons. Salmons as oh. in as in plural fishies. Yeah. Um, the first female student of a guy named Raymond Dart. And he was an anatomist at the University of the Witwatersrand in Johannesburg, South Africa. So uh, Josephine Salmons, Salmons was visiting a friend of hers and he worked in the quarry. And she saw the skull on display and recognized that it was some kind of extinct primate, and she asked if it could be sent to Raymond Dart along with any others that might turn up. So this guy, Raymond Dart, gets a crate of fossils on his doorstep, like the dream, right? Um, there was, I mean, I, I... My understanding is that anatomists in that era just got a lot of stuff, just like like dead stuff, just like showing up. Yeah, and of all being of like, that, what is it? Are... Describe it. Right, and fossils are sort of the least disagreeable of all the possibilities, I, yeah. right? I would be grateful to get a box of fossils and not, like, a rotting emu. I would be grateful now. Like, Blue Apron, oh, yeah. Hello Fresh. What about Hello Fossil? Hello Fossil. Um, sponsor. Hashtag sponsor. I feel um, like that would violate some international laws. Maybe. Um, so anyway, he gets this crate. This is before those kinds of laws were in effect. Um, and... One particular specimen in the crate caught his attention. Um, it was a small fossil with a partial skull and face, and importantly, a fossilized cast of the brain. And the whole thing was kind of encased in limestone, and this was the skull of the Tong child. And this is how excited he got. True nerd. He was supposed to be getting ready to be the best man at a wedding, uh, and instead he stood there just kind of poking through the fossils, sort of half-dressed with, you know, waistcoat but no pants, something like that, is how I imagine it. And his wife had to come in and drag him away to the wedding, but he tucked the Tong child skull sort of into his coat and took it with him, even though he had to put the creative stuff back. Um, well, and even though he already had a plus one. He already had a plus one, but he, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the fossil was encased in a tough coating of breccia, which sounds like a delicious Italian uh, pasta dish. Yeah. It's really not. It's um, a very hard concrete, essentially, made of limestone. And so to extract the fossil from the breccia, Dart took several pairs of his wife's knitting needles and he sharpened them to use as special tools. And over the course of three months, he picked away at the rock around the skull until he he had the whole skull free uh, out, of, out of the crusty bits. And in 1925, Dart published an anatomical description of the skull, and he actually made some really big claims for the time based on the current understanding of, of where humans were in, in the lineage between ape and human. Um, he said that the Tong child came from a species intermediate between apes and man, and based on the anatomy, the Tong child had an ape-sized brain, so had a little head, but walked on two legs like humans. Um, and we know this because... Um, so think about the human skull and how it connects to the spine. So there's a hole in the base of the skull called the foramen magnum, and that is where the, the spine enters the skull. So on a quadruped, on an animal that walks on all four legs, the foramen magnum is towards the back of the skull. It's like right at the back. So picture a dog walking on all four legs, and the, the spine enters the skull. I usually of, am. 
you're usually imagining a dog. Yeah. Yeah, same. Um, the spine enters the skull kind of parallel. Um, right. Whereas the foramen magnum on us is directly under the skull, under the under the brain case, and the spine enters sort of up and down, perpendicular to the floor. So, looking at the foramen magnum of the Tong child, you could tell that it was an animal that typically, though maybe not all the time, walked on two legs. So since this fossil was a missing link between apes and early hominins, and it was found in Africa, that means that Africa was an early birthplace of the human lineage. And before this, it was thought that it was actually Europe or Asia, because those are where early fossils have been found. But this one was older. And so this meant that humans came out of Africa. So Dart made these claims, and they were met with a lot of skepticism. So lots of scientists saw the Tong child and said, no, that's a, some kind of primitive baboon, not a human ancestor. Um, and then... Why? Like, based, like, on, based on its characteristics. So um, we'll throw pictures up of the Tong child skull on Instagram. And you can, if you, you can kind of see where they're coming from. Like, the anatomy of the face doesn't look human. It, it definitely looks... A little bit ape-like and I can understand that if you are coming from a background where you're sort of resistant to the idea that our ancestors were small-brained primates from Africa I can see where you would just think no that's another species of non-human ape right um, but in over like about 20 years there were more and more discover discoveries of early fossilized species like the Tong child in Africa, and then the scientific community started to accept the Tong child's place on our family tree. So now it's understood that the Tong child belongs to a species called Australopithecus africanus. So let me, let me just kind of give you the lowdown on these guys. Um, they lived in southern Africa between about 3.3 and 2.1 million years ago. So three to two million years ago, and they existed as a species for about a million years. So they, um, if we look at their hip, foot, and leg structure, so now that we have more fossils of this species, we can uh, look at more of their parts besides just the skull. Um, they are adapted for walking bipedally, but their arms and shoulders and hands are still adapted for climbing. So they probably lived in an environment that was a mix of forested area and some kind of open grassland. So they were doing some tree climbing, but also um, they lived in a place where they had to occasionally get down from the trees and walk around if they wanted to get certain resources. Right. So it's like leaving your apartment. Or like a savanna. Yeah, a, a semi-forested savanna. Um, no. Okay. Yes. Um, they were also pretty small. So an adult male would have been about four foot four foot six inches um, and weigh, weighed about 90 pounds. Yeah, little guy. And we know that the Tong child's skull was that of an infant or a juvenile, uh, maybe about a toddler based on sort of human ages. And we know how human and ape teeth develop. So we can look at the Tong child's teeth and figure out where it is on its sort of growth scale. Um, and the Tong child's first molars were only just starting to come in. So the little guy was only three to four years old. Um, I say little guy, that's actually, I, we don't know the sex of the Tong child. So if an adult male is four foot something, the Tong child would have been tiny. So, you know, the size of a little, little monkey. Um, so, so what happened to this little little monkey that wasn't a monkey? It was not a monkey, it was a human-ish, a human-ish monkey. Um, so originally, 
So we, obviously it died. Spoiler. It died. Oh. We found its skull. It died. Um, it was originally thought to have been killed by a leopard, um, but now we actually know that it was probably attacked and killed by an eagle. So heads up. Um, trigger warning. Eye poking. Oh, it's just like the staircase. Uh, n- well... <laughs> Check out my favorite murder, y'all. Or the staircase. Or the staircase. Yeah, go watch that. So scientists suspect that an eagle killed the Tong child because there are puncture marks at the bottom of the skull's eye sockets, and these exactly oh. match uh, those made by modern eagles, talons, and beak when they attack monkeys in Africa today. So there are still very large species of eagle in Africa uh. that eat monkeys as prey and uh they've found you know skulls of these these monkeys that are discarded by the birds and they have impact marks on the skull where the the beak basically slams into the skull and kills the animal instantly so i mean that's i guess that's good um but then also um claw marks on the eyes because the birds like to eat the eyes yikes um there's also other evidence for the eagle kill hypothesis because there are eggshells found at the site and kind of a weird mixture of animal bones next to the Tong child's skull. So most of these bones are from small animals, so little rodents, tortoises, lizards, crabs, not things that people typically choose first to eat, uh, but things that an eagle would definitely commonly have as prey. Um, so, so the Tong child was found in an eagle's trash can? Pretty much, yeah. It's sort of an undignified situation. But it gave us so much information. Um, So, And the awesome thing is that we have... So I mentioned that the the skull was preserved in limestone, but so was something called an endocast of the brain. So that means that the shape of the brain, not the brain itself, but uh, sort of a, a cast of the brain was preserved. So we actually know a little bit about the structure of some of the softer parts of this of Australopithecus, um, and that's not something that usually preserves. So we can say a little bit of something about um, how Australopithecus brains may have differed from human brains. Hmm. So I feel like the theme of serendipitous discovery, like you know, they happened to be working in the quarry and they found this these skulls, and Josephine Sammons happened to know all about ancient species and seen the baboon skull and thought, "Ooh, that's something that I should." Uh, forward on to Raymond Dart. This idea of serendipitous discovery, I feel like that's really going to be a theme on the dirt. Like, so much of archaeological discovery is like, and they fell into a cave, and there it was. I also like the thought that maybe she just, like, sent everything to him, and he was just like, oh my god, enough with, like, the boxes of, like, random stuff. Like, not not just, like, like bones, but it's just like, oh, here. (laughs) This this rock looks like a face. Yeah, I feel like, ah, oh. <laughs> Josephine. Um, another thing uh, to think about is, like, think about living in an environment as a three to four foot tall, small, fuzzy pre-human with giant eagles and leopards around. Like, our ancestors were probably stressed out. So, yeah, that that is the story of the Tong child, the small, the small hominin with a big story. Pixar coming soon. <laughs> oh, well, that's the sort of thing that would be in like a Pixar short before. Like it's super depressing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, we can we can pitch it to them, maybe. 
just reading these comments from Professor Berger and getting really freaked out. Oh, yeah. Um, so Professor Lee <laughs> Berger is uh, a researcher, a very prolific and well-known researcher, and he uh, there's an excerpt from the BBC, and he explains how birds, like eagles, kill their prey and eat the brain, which is the most delicious and nutritious part of the animal. Uh, quote, They first kill the young child or primate by jamming their talons, which are up to 14 centimeters in length, through the back of the brain, and that kills the animal instantly. Still quoting. They make sure the animal is dead, then they go down, disembowel it, rip it apart, take out the eyes very delicately with their talons. I'm glad it's not clumsy. Reach in, following the optic nerve with their beak after eating the eye, of course, and go in. End quote. So... Thanks, Professor Berger. I mean, he definitely seems like he uh, loves what he does. Yeah, that's that's what There's you really want in a researcher. Yeah, passion, passion for what he does. Um, well, that's the story of the Tong Child. That is awesome. Stay tuned for next week when we have uh, bog butter, bog butter, and tomb honey. Yep, we're getting in the uh, back of the fridge there. The back of archaeology's fridge. Can I, can I get away with calling somebody my tomb honey? I don't think so. No, probably not. Tomb honey. That sounds illegal. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to the dirt. You can find us on social media, on Facebook. We are the Dirt Podcast. On Twitter. We are at Dirt Podcast on Instagram. We are at The Dirt Pod. And you can shoot us an email at thedirtpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, like us, follow us. We've got some great stories. Bye, y'all. See you later, dirtbags. <laughs>